Welcome into the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your host, Lauren McClain. Happy Saturday, everyone. I hope everyone is having a wonderful day so far. It's good to be back with you. The Tokyo Games are just one week away, and then you can be glued to the TV watching sports that range from the 100-meter sprint to diving to air pistol shooting. Yep. We're going to talk about some of the strangest sports you might not have known were ever a part of the Summer Games, plus the five sports that were added this year. Later in the show, we'll be talking to Jamie Ray, who was on the judge committee for USA Climbing, to give us insight into the sport being added into the lineup for the 2021 Summer Games. But first, let's bring on a great colleague, mentor, and my pal, Spencer Linton. How are we today, Spence? I'm great, Lauren. Unfortunately, my rock climbing times were not fast enough to get me to Tokyo, so I'm here talking about it with you. That's a, I know how hard you tried. I know how hard you tried to make it, so I'm really, I'm really sorry about that. But hey, we I always have our... I almost made it halfway up. I almost got halfway up the wall. <laughs> don't quit your day job, Spence. Don't, don't quit your day job. <laughs> All right, so we're talking a lot about the Tokyo Games, which were actually supposed to happen last year, but due to the pandemic, were postponed until this year. Even this year was up in the air, so I was happy when I found out that they were a go. Five sports are being added, and some added back to the games this year, including baseball, softball, skateboarding, surfing, karate, and climbing. And Spencer, of those sports, which are you most excited to have as part of the games? I think that the return of baseball and softball is probably the most exciting thing for me. I'm not sure why they went away in the first place, because when I think of like long-time sports, baseball and softball are in that conversation. They're in that major category. So I can't believe they went away in the first place. I'm very excited that those are coming back. Uh, in terms of a new sport, I think I'm most fascinated by surfing. I have no idea how you even <laughs> score in that sport. But I've always been fascinated and really kind of jaw-hopping stuff. So I'm really excited to watch surfing and understand how they score. Like, how are you going to win a gold medal in surfing? You just have to stay in your board? You have to surf the biggest (laughs) wave? I have no idea. So I'm really excited about that. I actually had that same question because it's not like these surfers can control the size of the wave. And I know that goes into part of the judging. That doesn't seem fair. I'm sure there's something that that I don't know that goes on, but it's going to be so much fun to watch. I agree with you. For me, I'm going to have to say skateboarding. I feel like besides Tony Hawk, when I think of skateboarding, I think of punk kids with their shirts off, lower riding baggy pants, doing tricks outside the junior high and hurting themselves, really. But honestly, it's an incredibly difficult sport that probably doesn't get the respect it deserves because of what people associate it with in their minds. And Spencer, you know my husband, Steve. Uh, he was absolutely one of those kids in high school with shaggy bleached blonde hair, puka shell necklace, oh, yeah. never had a shirt on, oh, yeah. and he skateboarded everywhere. And so maybe that's why I hold a special place in my heart for skateboarding. But I think it's cool that the competition is being brought to the highest level. I think it's more motivation for kids to work hard at something because they see their heroes doing it on TV in front of the whole world. So were you were you a skateboarder, Spence? What was high school Spencer like? Oh, oh man. You mean boy band, Spencer? <laughs> I was going to say, I did I did see the music video. Was that high school or was that junior high? That was high school, unfortunately. I was a little more mature or immature for that matter, but that was high school. <laughs> um, I love it. Yeah, I, I, never, I never really got into the whole skateboarding thing. 
the, the farthest I got in that on that uh, line was probably my sweet rollerblades. So you know, inline skating, rollerblading, like that. That was my jam. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. You do you played baseball in high school, didn't you? Indeed, I did baseball, basketball. Um, I never really stepped out of my comfort zone of those major sports, so I'm not. But I'm I'm not unwilling to try skateboarding at some point in the near future. I I don't know. Well, listen, Spencer, you're you are on the better side of forty. I don't know if now's the best time to start skateboarding, but I guess it's never too late, right? <laughs> It is never too late. Is it too late for the shaggy bleach blonde hair? <laughs> never. Nope. Oh, please do it. Please do it. Well, I'm super happy to get baseball and softball back in the games. I remember looking up to Jenny Finch, who was a pitcher on Team USA in the early 2000s. I feel like she did a great, great things with her fame. And she was really pretty. I'm sure the, the sad thing is that's why a lot of these Olympians become famous later on because – they're attractive people, but I, I'm excited for young girls to have someone to look up to again. And karate, surfing, and climbing are going to be awesome. Spencer, these all seem like fairly normal sports. There are a few sports included in the summer games that honestly seem like they're not real, but they totally are. Here are a few. Let's talk about these. Number one, speed walking. Totally real. I I feel like this would be my jam. What do you think? <laughs> Absolutely. Now that you've got two kids and you're in that full-on mom life, like speed walking absolutely is right up your alley. And I, again, it's, it's another one of those things where it's like, what qualifies as a speed walk compared to like a slight jog? I'm still trying to figure out the very, very thin line between, no, 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 that's kind of running and that's speed walking. Like you have to place your heel on the ground a certain way. I I'm never really sure. Like, I think I know how to speed walk, but I have no idea. I hope this is motivating people to go look up the rules to all these uh, semi-obscure sports because they, they are. It goes down to every little detail. Have you watched speed walking? It is quite entertaining. Have you watched it before? Yes. Yes, I have. In fact, I saw a bunch of speed walking highlights. This is not a joke. Show up on my Twitter feed the other day. <laughs> Just watching the way that they have to move their arms. And I mean, you want to talk about, like, utilizing your heel to toe in the perfect fashion and just the way that it makes, I mean, your hips have to be so tired after speed walking. Like, it is it is very interesting. Um, so I don't know that I'm going to make it destination viewing in the Olympics, but if I see some speed walking highlights, I'll probably watch. It's all in the hips. Hey, I see speed walking highlights every morning when I look out my window and see the old ladies in the neighborhood <laughs> walking around. That, that's honestly what I think when I think speed walking. They look the same. And obviously, there's so much more that goes into these. But it looks the same. All right. Number two, uh, trampolining. Trampolining is part of the Olympics. So dang cool. Seems so dangerous when you watch what they do. In fact, I actually read that it's one of the most dangerous sports in the summer games trampolining well I, yeah I think about it you're bouncing like 40 feet in the air and flipping in all ways shapes and forms like if you have a miscue then you're like you're in big trouble like that so yes it is scary it's, it's kind of death defying which I think will make a lot of people want to watch so I, <laughs> I think it's pretty cool that you miss not 
figure out how to do like a front flip and land on my feet. I, at one point, I could do that when I was a kid. I could still do a backflip and land on my feet, but I, I mean, what they do, jumping so high in the air and just with precision and skill, I think it's really fun. But again, how do you judge? Like, you judge by just the difficulty of tricks, like all the. You can't really stick the landing. You're just bouncing up and down. So how, what are they judging in terms like uh, of landing and performance and all that stuff? I, I want to talk to the judges. That's what we need to be doing, Lauren, is talking to the judges about surfing and trampolining to figure out how in the world you score that. Hey, and we actually are going to be talking to a judge later uh, about climbing because that is also one that I'm like, how do you judge someone on how they're climbing? So I'm glad you said that. It's going to be awesome. I feel like everyone who has jumped on the trampoline gets hurt at some point. And so I'm I'm nervous for these trampoliners, but it is going to be so entertaining to watch. All right, number three, dressage, which is basically just showing off your horse. It's described as the highest expression of horse training, where horse and rider are expected to perform from memory a series of predetermined movements. Um, Not probably the most interesting sport for me to watch. I... I'm sure there are some upper upperclassmen who talk like this who would love to watch. Just kidding. Sure. It's probably it's probably really awesome, but but that's also one I, I didn't know was part of the the summer games. Dressage. I don't want to offend anybody. Yeah, I don't want to offend anybody in the equestrian community because I know the horses are beautiful, powerful animals, and it's. I mean, it is. If you go down that rabbit hole and see everything that goes into that and is involved in that, it's mind blowing. But absolutely. Uh, the fact that they had dressing in the Olympics and took away baseball and softball just really, I, Lauren, I can't. I can't go there emotionally. It really makes me upset. <laughs> they were not thinking of the fans, the, the greater good, but they, they brought it back. So they brought it back. That's all that matters. All right, number four, air pistol. There is actually an air pistol competition, um, which is kind of cool. I actually think that would be interesting to watch. Five, handball. Handball is hilarious to watch. It's a combination of basketball and yes. soccer where two teams with seven players each compete to throw a ball through a soccer-style net. Have you watched handball before? I have watched handball. That typically is my late-night viewing. You know, like the uh, 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. window? There's always <laughs> yes. like these high-level handball competitions from 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. Like, that's my jam. Yeah, I love that. You got, you got cricket. Australian football and handball in that in that window. That's like in the middle of the night. You can turn it on and find one of those sports. So good. Again, how uh, how did baseball and softball leave, Lauren? How did this happen? I don't know. Spencer, there's some things in life I can't explain, and that's definitely one of them. Uh, number six is ping pong. Oh my gosh! Okay, when you watch some of these people play ping pong. It is mind-boggling. It ain't it ain't yeah. your uh, basement ping pong that you got in, in your grandma's no. basement. It is it's like they're backed up like twenty feet from the. Well, sometimes I, I can't even explain it. If you guys have not watched Olympic level ping pong, you need to go on YouTube and Google it because it is mind-boggling. Are are you you're a ping pong? Yes. Aren't you? Absolutely, absolutely, I am. I spent two years in South Korea. I played a lot of ping pong in my time up there. And the fascination and devotion to that sport has continued. I've got the basic ping pong table in my own house. And it's, I mean, next to golf, it's probably my most attended 
sports in terms of what I do. That's <laughs> like golf and ping pong and a little bit of basketball and softball on the side. But yes, in fact, my kids love it. I saw the greatest ping pong highlight I've ever witnessed the other day. Um, again, on my Twitter feed, these are the things that I follow on my social media platforms. You know, great ping pong shots. But a dude hit a behind the back. He put his paddle behind his back and hit a winning shot. Like, he took a, a ball that was hit what looked like 100 miles an hour, and his reaction was, well, I'm not going to be able to get to it with my backhand, so I'm just going to go behind my back and hit the ball. He hit it behind the back cross court for a winner. It was amazing. Oh. Like, I, I love ping pong. I want them to add that to the primetime slate, along with swimming <laughs> and track and field. And gymnastics, like gymnastics, swimming, track and field, and ping pong need to be the primetime slate this year on NBC. I don't know if everyone would agree with you, but I, but I think, like you said, if they watch a few highlights, then I think their minds will quickly be changed because it is so amazing to watch. All right, last so but not least, synchronized swimming. How does one get into synchronized swimming? And it is, it's, it's beautiful. It is, it's a beautiful sport that combines swimming and gymnastics and dance. For some reason, it makes me laugh a little bit, but it shouldn't because like all of these sports, so much hard work and dedication goes into it. But, but I really was thinking, how does one get into synchronized swimming, Spencer? How, uh, how do you choose to do that? I don't understand. I, I wish I knew more. I, I'm guessing that they tr- probably try and test these good, like, you have to be a great swimmer, obviously, and have great control. Yes. But they're trying to figure out who can hold their breath underwater for, like, two minutes. So, like, if you can hold your breath underwater for two minutes, Man. you probably go, like, next level and are sent to the Olympic Development Training Program for synchronized swimming. <laughs> probably <laughs> so. It really is underwater gymnastics with amazing breath control. So, yeah, it, it is beautiful, but it's just, yeah, how do these evolve? And I'm sure there are people that are like, that watch baseball and soccer, and these are like, well, how does that sport evolve? Synchronized swimming yes. is so much more dignified. You know, it's, Absolutely. Like, it's very interesting to talk to the different personalities. Absolutely. And that's what makes the, the Tokyo games and the game just so much fun to watch because there really is something for everybody. And speaking of coming up, she is the only female jury president in the U.S. for the sport of climbing and is talking to us about what it took to get climbing into the Tokyo Games. Jamie Ray up next on Cougar Tailgate. Welcome back to the Cougar Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean. We were talking about the five new sports that were added to the Tokyo Games, which are just one week away. And one of those sports, climbing, has been growing in popularity in recent years, enough so to earn a spot in the Summer Games. To talk more about what a climbing competition looks like, let's welcome on Jamie Ray. Jamie works in communications at the University of Colorado, but has also been judging at national climbing competitions since 2007. She started Crimp Chimps, a stuffed animal chalk bag company in 2010. Jamie, thanks for coming on with me today. No problem. Good to be here. So obviously you have a love for climbing. Uh, Where did that passion come from? 
Oh, geez. I started climbing um, a long, long time ago in the early 2000s and um, just really fell in love with the sport. I found that I wasn't really thinking about anything else when I was climbing on the wall and, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of concentrating on what was in front of me. So it was a great escape. So who, who was the one who originally got you into climbing? My cousin. Okay. Your cousin did it and you just, you just fell in love and, and the rest was history. Yeah, exactly. It was a Friday night thing. And, you know, I didn't have anything else going on in college and spent my Friday nights at the climbing gym. (laughs) I love it. So now what's your favorite? So now you live in Colorado. What's your favorite place that you've ever climbed? Ooh, probably Fontainebleau in in, uh, France, just outside of Paris. Oh my goodness. That's incredible. So you've, you have climbed all over the world. Is that right? Yeah, I used to live in France, so that was just kind of an easy access spot. <laughs> um, okay. That's part of my college career. Um, so yeah, mostly just around the U.S., but yeah, a little bit around the world. So you started a company called Crimp Chimps, and it is chalk bags uh, for little kids. How did you get the idea for your company? I went to REI looking for my own chalk bag when I first started climbing almost 20 years ago, and I was just surprised at how boring they all were. <laughs> <laughs> They were just, you know, like blue canvas, black canvas. There wasn't even any like excitement or color. Um, So I decided, you know, I'm going to take a stuffed animal and turn it into a chalk bag. And so I started using it and climbing with it. And people were like, where'd you get that? Where'd you get that? So um, I had people asking me to make them for them. uh, And then it just kind of snowballed from there. Oh, awesome. You're like, all right, there's something to it. We can make a little money off of this. Let's do it. (laughs) Exactly. So after the documentary Free Solo came out with Alex Honnold, I, I guarantee you've seen that. Uh, what change did you see in the sport since that that documentary was so popular? It seemed like more and more people uh, started to join the sport of climbing. What did you see from your perspective? Well, Alex Honnold definitely became more of a household name um, where there was no climber coming out of people's mouths um, <laughs> ever before that. Um, <laughs> you would try to talk to people about climbing and they'd be like, oh, you know, that's kind of a fringe sport. I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, but Alex Honnold was just kind of the, the talk of the town when that film came out. And a lot of people were inspired, obviously, um, hopefully not to go out and climb without ropes. <laughs> but um, a lot yes. of people start going into the gyms and getting into the sport. Uh, that that documentary had the opposite effect for me. I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and stay in my house where I'm safe, <laughs> where I'm safe and sound, and I'll just watch other people do it. Yeah. And speaking of you, you're a judge of climbing. How did you get your start in judging? I was working in a climbing gym on the East Coast, and the national championship happened to come through town and was at the gym I was working at. So they were calling for volunteers, and I was already there. So I said, sure, I'll give it a try. Uh, So I judged at that competition. The following year, I moved to Colorado, and that same national competition was being held at the gym that I was working at in Colorado. So it was just like hugely serendipitous that the next year it was in the same place I was. And I was like, well, I did this last year, so I can probably do it again. Um, so I did. And then the competition stayed in Colorado for a couple of years. So I just kept judging and then it just massive snowball effect from there. And now I've gotten to a point where I travel all around the country uh, a couple of times a year, and now I'm starting to go internationally as well. So dang cool. Give us a breakdown of how climbing will be judged in the games. How do you judge climbing? That's such a good question. So first off, there are three different disciplines, um, which I don't think a lot of people realize. And most people look at the sport of climbing and they say, well, how do you judge that? Is it just who gets to the top first? Well, the easy answer to that is yes, 
and also no, <laughs> because the three different disciplines are categorized. Um, there's bouldering, there's lead, and then there's speed. So in bouldering, you know, it's much shorter walls. You're climbing really dynamically, lots of power. Um, you, you're basically judged on whether you get to the top. Uh, and how many times you get to the top on the number of boulder problems. Uh, and then there's also a zone hold, which is kind of in the middle of the route or the problem. So um, that's kind of how bouldering works. And then lead climbing is just like one really long endurance-based boulder problem. So it's much higher. You only have one attempt on it. Um, person who gets the highest is essentially, you know, doing the best in that particular discipline. And then speed is the discipline that will, I think, appeal to most people who just watch the Olympics. It's kind of like the 50 meter dash okay. you know, uh-huh. of climbing. So it's who gets to the top fast as or sorry, who gets to the top fastest. Okay. All right. Awesome. Well, that gives us something to watch for and to, to understand a little bit better about what we're watching. Yeah. Jamie, what was your reaction when you heard climbing was being added to the Tokyo games? Oh, I was stoked. Um, everybody who is in the climbing discipline wants to see it on the main stage. Uh, it's just so exciting that it's going to be getting more exposure. I know there are probably some curmudgeons out there that are like, no, you know, we got to stay in the mountains and stay on, <laughs> on the real rock and not climb on plastic. But I think that, you know, in general, there's just uh, a really um, high level of excitement around it being on the main stage. Oh, absolutely. What what do you think this will mean for the sport in general to have it into the Olympics? It's it's already been exploding, especially with all of these films like Free Solo that have been coming out. But I mean, it's just going to get bigger and bigger. And I mean, there are these mega gyms being built all over the world and they're just going to keep exploding. Um, you know, there are so many gyms that are getting maxed out with climbers. You have to have a reservation system to get in. You know, you try to go after work and it's like, maybe I'll climb once an hour because the ropes are all so busy. Right. So you mentioned you, you judge national competitions. What's the process of making it to the Olympics if you are a professional climber? That is a really complicated question. <laughs> um, so, you know, we, we had the Olympics that were supposed to be part of the 2020 games and now we're here in 2021. So two years ago, the way it worked was there were all these different Olympic qualification events and there were several around the world that were very specific. Like this event is an Olympic qualifying event. Like they were just set, but then there were some others that already happened every year. So there's a continental championship on each continent. Um, and they were choosing the top climbers from each of those events. Um, the other interesting thing about how they're chosen is there can only be a max of two competitors per gender from a country. And that excludes the host country. So, um, the U S was fortunate enough to get two from each gender into the Olympics. So we've, we maxed out. Awesome. Wow. It's, it seems like with every, obviously to make it to the highest level, it's going to require some bit of complication and you're in the process now of completing your international judging certification. Once you get it, what will it take for you to be a judge in the 2024 games in Paris? There are a lot more steps (laughs) to get there. (laughs) Um, I am working on my continental certification right now. So as soon as I have that, um, I'll be able to go around the world and judge at any continents, um, championship. So I'll be able to go to Asia, you know, and judge a yes. championship or whatever. Um, 
And then from there, there's another level and then there's another level. And then basically I would be at the level that I could judge at the Olympics. You're like, don't even ask me because there's too much that goes on before you get to that level. But, (laughs) but man, I, I think you can do it. It sounds like you're doing great things. My last question for you is, Climbing is, is so unique. And, and obviously a lot of people are being drawn to it right now. In your opinion, what makes climbing so appealing to people? Climbing is a full body sport. Uh, it exercises every part of the body, including the brain. It is absolutely a puzzle that you need to figure out. Um, we're talking about the bouldering and the lead disciplines here. Um, speed is just, you know, the fast twitch muscles working over and over again. It's just memorizing the moves that you have to do every single time because it's always the same route. Um, so, you know, the disciplines are all just so different, but I think that, um, working the entire body, uh, putting these pieces together to try and get up the wall, figuring out the problem, um, it's really attractive to people. Yes, absolutely. If, if, if I had any motivation <laughs> to go do it, I absolutely, like I said, it's one of those sports I love to watch. I think it's absolutely incredible. The athleticism that goes into it. And uh, I'm excited that it's at the highest level. Now, Jamie Ray, national judge for climbing. Thank you so much for taking the time with me today. No problem. All right. And that does it for us today. Thanks again to Jamie Ray and Spencer Linton for coming on the show with me. You can join the Cougar tailgate virtually, of course, every Saturday at noon mountain time or download, rate, and review our podcast on Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or on BYUradio.org. This is Cougar Tailgate.